Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. 4-H clubs, they're still around and thriving. Penn State Extension Lackawanna County Sandy Graham tells us about the programs and all the clubs available. 4-H and the Extension is really a USDA program. And it's run through the land-grant universities in each state, ours being Penn State. So Penn State then gets an extension in each county. So I'm in Lackawanna County. I do the 4-H, and I coordinate that part. We also have other extension educators in our counties. So we do different things. You might have heard of Master Gardening Program. We have 4-H. We have Prosper programming. We have Growing Stronger. Um, We have other kinds of agricultural-based programs depending on the counties. Some are regional, some are just countywide, but it's all run through Penn State Extension. So 4-H, what is that? 4-H is the youth organization that is run through the Ag Center and the Extension. It's for kids who are between the ages of 5 and 18. Our 5 to 7-year-olds are called Clover Buds. And our 8 to 18-year-olds are 4-H members that work on different projects. Many are agricultural-based. Traditionally, that's how it was. But as we evolve, we have a lot of STEM projects. We have a lot of creative art projects. We still have the agricultural projects, which might be preparing some of the members for learning to be a veterinarian. So they have some projects like that, but it might also be just animal care, whether it be a pet, a dog, a cat, or horses, alpaca, whatever they're interested in. Well, I think when people hear 4-H, they normally think of, as you said, students, agricultural, Mm -hmm. getting involved in things like the Pennsylvania Farm Show. Correct. Lackawanna County sent Two members sent down some sewing projects. We had one of the young ladies, one first in her division, which was the coordinates, um, and she had an outfit done. The other young woman sent about six projects. She had four second places and one third place. Wow. So our sewers in Lackawanna County are doing some pretty neat stuff. That is that is really something because, again, I know when I was growing up, my mom made the prom dresses, mm-hmm. made the Halloween costumes, all those. And it's really becoming such a dying art. We hear that a lot because not as many people sew, I think, but I think the kids are into it. In Lackawanna County, we have two sewing clubs that are just for sewing. And then I, we also have a more of a community club, a creative arts club, 
and the kids are enjoying the basics. They're, they're a little bit younger, and they're very beginner sewers, but they're starting to pin some patterns and learn. So they're interested. The kids are interested because of different shows that are on TV. It got them reinterested and reinvigorated the whole sewing part of it. Now, when they when you talk about sewing, are you talking about hand stitching, machine stitching? Yes, both. Yes, and we have some quilters, some um, things like projects like button art that we're actually sewing. Sometimes you can, but sometimes we sew it. Um, they're doing things like community service. Last year. Our club did a community service. We we made pillowcases. We had some adults in the community help us, and we donated those to children and youth for the foster kids who maybe could take their pillowcase if they had to be moved from a placement, but they was something that they would always have. Now, how do students get involved in things like this? Things like Pinterest oh, and Project Runway. The Internet has a lot of different things for the kids who are creative, and they find that kind of stuff. Then sometimes they find us through the 4-H groups for looking online for what they can do locally. So do you go into the schools? We go into the schools. We have school enrichment programs. So we have teachers who might ask us to come in, um, and we could do a program, or the teacher can do the program in their classroom too because we have the materials for them to be independent on it. Some of those programs are more of the STEM variety. Um, For example, I have a rain-to-drain program, which is about how rainwater flows. Oh. And that is going into two schools in the county during the school year. So that's an example of of a school enrichment. Because it almost sounds, again, it's bringing back memories of when we had home ec. Yes, and which home ec is now called Family and Consumer Sciences. Oh, sorry, I didn't That's know okay. that. <laughs> it's okay. Not many people know that. Home ec or Family and Consumer Sciences is required by the state to have some standards in the middle school and the high school. So each school should have some variety, but schools attack that in a different way, so to speak. What our clubs do is mostly it's after school or we have students members who just want to form a club. So they can join an existing club or some they can form their own club. And as far as instruction, maybe there is someone who is a home sewer. And if they do sew at home, they think maybe I can't teach it. But you, you do know more than an eight-year-old knows. Mm-hmm. So they might be a leader and then we can foster that. And what we do as leaders for the leaders through Penn State Extension is we have leader forms and we have trainings that any leader can access for all the different areas of projects that we have. So if someone is listening, and in particular in your area, which is Lackawanna County, Mm -hmm. and they think, well, you mentioned quilting, and quilting is especially when you have things like the Bloomsburg Fair, and you go to places and you have, and you already mentioned that some of these fantastic sewers are winning. So if someone will take quilting as an example, thinks this is something that I would like to pass on, can they contact you? Absolutely. And, And what would you do then? Well, I would get them through some of the leader and volunteer training. So that's first because we do have a high 
priority for safety for all the kids. So they do have to be a screened leader. Um, I would get them first with that. And then we could do something like advertise. We use Facebook. We use Instagram. We use press releases. And sometimes they get phone calls of kids who are, hey, I want to learn how to sew. And we would get a club to form. And the leaders can really pick the days, the times, the length of the club. They can meet all year round for once a month. They could meet weekly for three months. Totally up to the leader because we want them to be comfortable with their time. What about as far as monetary is concerned? Because, again, a lot of these different projects that you're talking about, you're going to have to consider materials. Correct. Well, to be a member in 4-H, it's $20. But we also have an opportunity fund, too, so that if there's a family that can't afford it, we have some monies that they can apply for. For materials, depending on what they're making for the very beginner, we do have some materials. If someone's going to make a prom gown, then they will buy their own materials. So depending on the garments and the the extent of it. But we try to do get donations for some of our um, smaller projects. And things like when we did the pillowcases, mm-hmm. we had a lot of people donate fabric, which was great. Now it would give it would give everybody a, a little bit of something. Absolutely. And as you're talking about this, one of the things that I immediately go to is local theater, because there's always costumes being made and have to be altered. And do you have any interest in in anything coming out of that? Oh well, again, three of my um, three of some of our members who are in the sewing program have worked with their schools to make the pro- the costumes for their school plays. Wow. So they go out and they can do that because they have the experience. So they've done, it's nice for them to do little outreach, and then they're helping their own schools. Well, I'm going to have to keep you in mind because I always said if I win a big award, a Tony, an Oscar, <laughs> a Grammy, or something, I, would, I always think it would be an, a wonderful opportunity to turn it back to local students and say, design a dress, make mm-hmm. a dress, and then talk about it when you have that whole world watching Watch. something mm-hmm. like that. Absolutely. And one of the second place winners did win second place in her the Create Your Own Project. So at the farm that? show, she did a lace um, penguins jersey, but it was black and yellow and it had the penguins emblem on it oh, it was really cool. really cute yeah that's a and, and again we're talking teenagers here mm-hmm. so they they're see there's we're not giving them as much credit as they should have no we're not <laughs> we're not they are they're pretty good when they put their mind to what they want to learn they can master the subject yes when now we've talked about sewing what about some of the other aspects of the of the other clubs that you have well right now in Lackawanna County we don't have a lot of clubs we're still building um, but we have two clubs that are cooking clubs, so they do cooking projects. And last night was one of the clubs, and they did um, a variety of things. They did a lemon meringue pie. <gasps> they did a raspberry coffee cake, and they did a ricotta gnocchi and an apple strudel. I'm kind of they were disappointed get, you they didn't were a little bring bit any more. in this morning. They ate it all. <laughs> <laughs> so we have cooking clubs. We have... A horse club, Valley Equestrian Horse Club, and then they do, they meet weekly. They'll start probably in a month or so, and then 
they work on skills, but they work on other club leadership things. And then they do a county show and a district horse show, or maybe they go to the state um, horse show. Wow. Now, with all of these different clubs and the opportunity to start something that people are interested in, how do they go about getting in touch with you? Well, a couple th- couple ways they can call me and say, hey, what do you have available? Or they can say, I am an expert in, which is always great because we can find something. If you are, we have a photography program. Um, we have engineering an engineering challenge that will be coming up that will be gearing up for the summer we have a lot of interest in cake decorating and we'll do a camp for that in the summer a camp we'll do a one-day camp where we'll play and cake decorate Uh, maybe it's coding so we have a lot of coding programs that we can do so anybody who has any interest will probably have the gamut I could find you some kids that would be interested in joining. And do they come to you a lot of times and say, Sandy, we really want to do this? And we, they do. We do. We're going to, um, the Master Gardeners and 4-H, we're going to have a volunteer fair at the Marketplace of Steamtown at the end of this month. And hopefully we will get some volunteers who say, hey, this is my skill. And how can I help some kids learn it? So if they can't get to a fair like that... They can just give me a call or send me an email. And you're on Facebook? And we're on Facebook, Lackawanna County 4-H, Lackawanna County PA 4-H. And Instagram and all those... Instagram and, yep. And word of mouth. And word of mouth. So for a a student, there is no... There's a $20 to join 4-H, and -hmm. then after that... You just have to make the meetings? You make the meetings. So you need to be at half of the meetings to be a member in good standing. And a member in good standing means that when we have our annual achievement night, then you get recognized for achieving that project area that you have done. But we also have different Clover Awards. So when you do something that is a county event, and a county event might be our Lackawanna County Fair that's coming up. Um, it might be a fundraiser for the county. You can you kind of move up the ladder of the level of clovers that you can get. So there's state events. We have a great state event that's coming up the beginning of February at State Leadership Conference, and it's my favorite event of the whole year. But um, the kids go if they're 13. In 18, they go for three days, and they have a conference, and they learn leadership skills and interview skills and goal setting, and they work on themselves for three days so that they can be better. We have a state leadership junior. That is a one-day event for the students, our members who are 10 to 13, and they go for one day, and they have the same kind of an experience scaled down a little bit. And it's all about leadership and all about building great communication skills and great skills for these kids. 13 years old and already already putting your resume together. Putting it out there, yep. And it's about showing them that they do have a lot to offer. Well, you've just shown me that they have a lot to offer and you have a lot to offer as well. Well, thank you. 
to Sandy Graham from Penn State Extension Lackawanna County for joining us on Special Edition with information on 4-H clubs. Now, don't go away. Coming up next, we're going to travel to Griffin Pond. Welcome back to Special Edition. Our guests today are Ashley Wolo and Jeff Polanin. They're from the Griffin Pond Animal Shelter. They have a new program to tell us about. Ashley, it's very nice to meet you, and you're brand new. I are you, am. Are you brand new to the area or just to Griffin Pond? Um, well, I'm brand new to the position. I've been with Griffin Pond for about three years. I started off as a kennel attendant, and I slowly made my way up the ladder. A kennel attendant. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I've, I've experienced everything in the shelter. When we're talking about Griffin Pond, it's been around for a long time. Very long time, yes. And a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. Changes, changes will always happen in the shelter world, that's for sure. Especially when it comes to animals coming in, animals yep. coming out. So besides being a uh, kennel attendant, what else is your background? I've uh, actually been in the foster coordinator position. I've done adoptions. Um, I've worked with other rescues before. I've, I've been working with animals for probably about 10 years now. I wouldn't want to do anything else. It's absolutely amazing. There's always something new going on. Every animal that you interact with has a different personality. So that's one of my favorite parts about working with them. I've experienced a lot in the animal world, and I love it. Absolutely love it. So now I have to ask, yes. how many do you own? Oh, I don't know <laughs> if I can say that. I have a few dogs. A few? <laughs> They're all small, though, so I guess if you put them all together, it would make like one or two big dogs. But I have a few dogs, and I have two cats. Five dogs. Five dogs, two cats. You have to you have to limit yourself at some point. <laughs> and that, that brings me to one of the big questions that people always ask about adopting. Yes. How do you make a decision when someone comes in and, you know, you have so many animals and Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about uh, the the need for so many homes, but you don't just want to say, okay, here you go. Right. So um, we have an adoption process and our adoptions team and our kennel attendants, they take the time to get to know the animals, um, which is a really good thing because then it helps us place the animals in the right home. So for example, say we have a dog that isn't good with kids. We obviously, we're not going to send that dog home to a home with kids. So getting to know the animals um, definitely helps with placement. And of course, we'll talk about the Doggy Day Out program, but that's that's a huge help um, up at the shelter. So yeah, we, we definitely take the time to learn the animals' personalities, and then we go through our adoption process, and then we place the animals in the best home. And again, you have a responsibility mm-hmm. to the animal, yep. to the potential adopter, to the community. Yes, I come in and I say, well, Ashley, just because the, this dog doesn't like kids now, I know I can change that. It's tough. It, it is tough. It is tough because having an animal in a shelter environment, of course, we don't know the full personality. And that's where the Doggy Day Out program comes in. We do everything that we can, I should say, to learn the personalities inside the shelter. We don't always know the background. But if let's say you have kids and you want to adopt a dog and we might not be sure if the dog's okay with kids. We'll always do a meet and greet beforehand so we could see how the dog interacts with your child. And if it turns out to be a good thing, then great, you you can take the dog home. And that's <clears throat> that's kind of the same thing, too, when you say that if you already own a pet, mm-hmm. you should bring 
the pets. Exactly. If you have another animal at home, if you have another dog and you're you're looking to add another dog to the home, we'll always do a meet and greet beforehand because we want to make sure that the dogs get along. Of course, we don't just want to ship the animal outside of the shelter without knowing for sure. Right. And that's tough. Yeah, that- it is. It is tough. But, you know, that's why we're there. We take the time, we learn the animals, and we go through the rest of the process. We, we follow through with it. And we always like to tell the community that even if something might work out at the shelter, you take the animal home, we're still there. We're still a phone call away. Don't just want to give you the animal and then say our goodbyes. We want updates. We want to help you through the process. If there is a process, we just we always want to be there. We're always a phone call away, and we want the public to know that. A lot of times, too, especially in the shelter situation, you're dealing with animals who are brought in, and they you don't know their background. Right. Yeah. So is there, uh, how does that work for someone who maybe loses a pet and they wonder, you know, well, how long, what if they pick up my, my dog? What if they pick up my cat? Is there a period of time that you are obligated to hold that pet to see if someone claims them? Yes. So legally, we are to hold an, a stray animal that comes into um, our care for 48 hours. After that, the animal goes up for adoption. It'll, it could get transferred to another rescue. Um, but legally, we hold them for 48 hours. In that 48 hours, it gives us a chance to begin learning the personalities of the animal. So um, upon intake, we can see if they have any personality quirks, how they do on a leash, for example, just those basic things to learn about a new animal. Even same with cats. We'll learn if they like to be picked up or if they like to be held or or if they just like to be left alone. (laughs) (laughs) And if they get along with dogs or other cats. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So we we sometimes learn those things in the first couple of days. Sometimes it takes even longer. We've had some animals in our care for a few months and we're just learning new personality traits about them that we didn't know before. Well, and again, they adapt to their environment. So things can change then when they go where you have animals that come in who have never been on a leash, Mm -hmm. who have never gone to the bathroom other than on a concrete floor. I mean, break your heart, but you have to talk to people about those things because you have to have patience. Right, exactly. Patience and training. That's a big thing. That's what we always tell our adopters, because even when an adopter comes in to adopt one of our animals, we can't say for sure how they're going to act in a new environment. You know, even if we know their background, They're going into a new environment. They're leaving the shelter and they're going into a new home. So we can't say for sure how it's going to work out, but we're going to be there to give you tips, to walk you through anything that you might experience and to help you in any way that we can. No matter what, you have the animals and the potential adopters best interest at heart. Yes, we do. Sometimes people may not agree, Mm -hmm. but that's the way it is. That's why we're here. You mentioned a program. What is this called? It's called the Doggy Day Out program. A Doggy Day Out. Yes. Now, to me, that means spa. <laughs> <laughs> if Hey, if you want to take the dogs to the spa, that that's perfectly fine. Um, the way the program works is you'll put in an application, and we select the dogs that we feel will do good, I guess you can say, on a doggy day out. So you can arrange a time to come and pick up one of our dogs and you can just take them out for the day. You can take them for a car ride. You can take them to the park just to, it it helps the shelter learn their personalities outside of the shelter. So it's a really great program. It just started. We've already had a few dogs uh, participate in this program and it's been a success so far. So, so far, so good. All right. Well, you brought this young man with you here. And I, from what I understand, Jeff, 
you have been involved. You you brought Doggy Day out. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually started it recently. How does all this work? Now, Ashley gave us a little bit of an overview, but if you're if you're the one who's in charge, and I come up to the shelter and I say, Jeff, I heard you on the radio, and I want to do Doggy Day out. What are you going to tell me first? First up is to go on our website and fill out a short application on there. It's basically just background info on you, where you plan on taking the dog and what your plan for the day is. I mean, sending these dogs out, we always want to know where they're going and what what you plan on doing with them because we don't want them being in any dangerous situations where they may be injured or injure somebody else or something like that. So first step is to get that application submitted so I can take a look at that. Once that's approved, um, I'll e- give you an email just saying, hey, you're approved, and we'll try to schedule a day that you can take a dog out. So do I get to come up and pick out the dog, or do you have to decide what works well for me? Usually I'll give a couple choices. Um, Knowing the personalities of the dog is kind of important. There may be a dog you want to take out, but that dog may be too powerful for you to walk on a leash. It may not be good with children who are on your day out with you. So, I mean, I do have to take personality of the dog into account when giving you that dog. So you may not have your first choice, but I usually try to give one or two options. All right. Now, this sounds like a rather ambitious idea because I give you all my information. Do you keep my driver's license or do you just trust me that I'm going to bring this dog back? Well, on the application, you actually write down your driver's license number. And then when you come to pick up the dog, we actually make a copy of your license. And there's a, a little a waiver you sign and everything like that. And we keep that on file. And there's a certain time you have to have the dog back by. You have to have it back by three o'clock every day so that we know ahead of time um, when the dog will be coming back. And like I said, we always know where you're going. We have cell phone numbers and things like that. So, I mean, it, it does take some trust from us that you are going to bring the dog back, but we do our best to make sure that the people taking the dog have good intentions. What if something happens? I mean, there's always that what if. Um, yeah. We give our our volunteers all the information we can on what not to do with the dog. There are some guidelines on our website that you can check out where you're not allowed to take the dog, such as dog parks, having the dog off leash, having the dog around other animals. So there are guidelines you have to follow to keep the dog and people safe out there. But I mean, there's always the what if. We just want to see these dogs get some time out of the shelter and try to get a little bit more freedom than we can provide on a daily basis. Okay. So now you've had a dog or two who have gone out. Yeah. Do they end up getting their forever home? A couple have so far, um, but not everyone. I mean, a lot of the people that are volunteering, the the purpose of the program is to get the dogs out and have them have some time outside of the shelter more than usual. It's not necessarily a program for people to come up and try to spend more time with an animal that they're interested in adopting. I mean, that's great if they want to. That's fantastic. But it's more a program just to get the dogs out and get them more enrichment outside of the shelter environment and to learn about them, as Ashley said. Because when people take these dogs out for the day, we learn so much more than we can learn on their two walks a day that they get. We learn if they're good in a car. We, get, we learn how they are walking by people on a, in a, on a trail in a park, how they react to other dogs outside of the shelter. Because they may bark at other dogs in their kennels, but outside the shelter, they may be totally fine and passive with dogs. So we'd get to learn how their personality would be outside the shelter. So when they leave, are they already, um, because again, one of the things that you would have to worry about as a responsible dog owner or a dog borrower in this case, um, or a dog wannabe owner, do the dogs go out with their shots and they have all that kind of oh, yeah. stuff taken mm-hmm. care of? Yeah, every dog that goes on a doggy day out or any dog that's at any of our adoption events outside the shelter is fully vaccinated already. So they're totally up to date on everything. 
Wow, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it's going well so far. Now, Ashley, I'm I'm going to ask you now because we're you know we're talking about all these things, and of course there are all these legal ramifications of things that you have to think about. But Jeff did also mention the um, other adoption events. Do you find that they actually work? Oh, the adoption events, that's actually probably my favorite part about the shelter. They will never get old um, because there's always something different. You always meet new people. You get to interact with new people. And I love taking the, the dogs and the cats to the adoption events. I definitely think that they help us tremendously. I've been to so many adoption events over the last few years, and the turnaround rate um, for the animals getting adopted is fantastic. For example, like the parades, the the Christmas parade, the St. Patrick's Day parade, even those are amazing. And that's really? not even a, a adoption event that's just a a parade that we participate in we get to uh, take the animals out and let them interact with people and before you know it before we even get back to the shelter there's people calling us and asking us about these dogs and these cats and it's fantastic it's a great turnout all the time i've never i i I definitely cannot turn down the adoption events as far as uh whether or not they're a good turnout for the animals because they are parades i think they're walking past and you don't even get to see anybody no you do i mean you have those little the the little increments in the parade where you get to stop and and people get to actually see the animals and i've had people run up to me before and say hey what's that dog's name like can i pet it this and that and like i said it's it's always been amazing and so much fun because it's amazing to see how excited people get they get as excited as we do because we want these animals to go home just as bad as everybody else does so how does it happen now that you're over capacity i guess that's just the animal world i we've adopted out over 160 animals in the last two months but we're still operating over capacity i don't think that'll ever change in the animal world whether it's stray animals coming in which is what we see the most or people just finding themselves in a tough situation where they have to surrender surrender their animal it's just that's the animal world i I guess there's really nothing you can say to it. it one of the biggest things that we always promote and push is is spaying and neutering your animals if you run into a sticky situation and you find yourself uh, having to surrender your animal you can always even give us a call and we'll try to provide you with other options before surrendering your animal because that's something that we don't like to see we want to see the animal stay in the home that they're in i'll give another example let's say your cat starts going to the bathroom outside of the litter box. We can provide you with so many different options um, as far as what you can do before surrendering your cat. And and that's what we're here for. We don't want to take your animals. We want them to stay in the home that they're in because that's what they know. And and it's sad when they come into the shelter because it's a whole new life. It's a whole new environment. And they might acclimate themselves, but it's no home for an animal. Mm-hmm. The shelter is not a home for an animal. It, it's just like a temporary placement. Like I said, if if anybody runs into a situation, we'll help them out through anything. But of course, we want to be there to help. And uh, the stray animals that come in, like I said, we see those the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if you're ever missing a pet, if one of your animals goes goes missing, you can call up to our shelter. You can put in a lost and found report. You can post pictures up. You can send us messages on Facebook. You can check our website. You can check other Facebook groups. Um, as soon as a stray animal comes in, we post those pictures everywhere because, like I said. We don't want to keep those animals. We want them to go to their homes. How important is a microchip? Oh, I can't fathom how important microchipping is, whether it's a cat or a dog or even a a bunny. Like if you even have a rabbit at home, microchips are so important because you never know when your animal is, is going to 
be an escape artist and, and exit out of your home. And who knows where they, they could end up. They might not even end up at our shelter. They might end up at a vet. They mm-hmm. might end up at a police station. They might end up with somebody who just saw them running around on the streets. You just, you never know. So having a microchip is extremely important because as soon as that animal gets scanned, which almost every place does that now, mm-hmm. your information will come up just by finding that number that's in the back of the animal's neck. And we'll, we're able to contact you then. So it's it's super cheap. It's definitely helpful. And if you're looking to get your animal microchipped, we can even help you with that. Um, so you can even call up the shelter. We can help you get your animal microchipped. And there's one burden off your back. And we've talked about cats and dogs. But what about the rest? You have you mentioned bunnies. It's it's not like it's not like your cat dog specific. I mean, we've seen pigs, we've seen farm animals, we've seen uh, small animals, we've seen reptiles, we've seen it all. Um, they don't normally stay at the shelter as long as the cats and dogs do. Well, right now we have three rats, and that's the only other type of animal that we have besides a, co- a cat and a dog. But we've see, we see them all. You just have to check our website or call us if you're looking for something specific. But yeah, we, we definitely see them all. So Jeff, let me ask you real quick here now. We've talked about doggy day out. Is it possible this is going to expand? I mean, we're going to have to see it's still kind of in its infancy as far as the program goes. I'm hoping that it would expand. I've seen other shelters do these types of programs, and they are super successful, and they have dogs going out every day for these types of things. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Hopefully it does go big. To cats? Maybe. We'll see. Maybe those three rats? (laughs) Hopefully they find a home before that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would be wonderful. Ashley, I'm going to bring you back one more time. Anything that you would like to add about Griffin Pond that you who who are now the new executive director up there, want our audience to know? Griffin Pond has definitely changed um, over the last year. We're in a really good position, and our goal is to just keep moving forward. We're here to help the public and to help the animals in our care um, and even help the animals that aren't in our care. Uh, We're there for the community, and we're there for the animals. I definitely encourage the public to come up, check us out, check out our website. It's a brand new website. There's always things going on. If you're looking to volunteer, you can always come up, volunteer. There's so many different ways to volunteer. If you want to donate some of your time, we definitely have lots to do. And there are a lot of new things going on and we're just very excited about it all. So we encourage everybody to come up and check us out. Thanks again to Ashley Wolo and Jeff Polanin for joining us. And don't forget, Griffin Pond on the web as well as a Facebook page. Coming up next, winter. Still plenty of it to come. And there's one group in Lackawanna County helping out. Intercom's Jason Barsky will introduce us. Don't go away. Welcome back to Special Edition. Bags of warmth. They are just what they sound like. Bags that contain items for those who find themselves out in the cold this winter are able to use to have some warmth. The Wright Center in Lackawanna County is spearheading the project, and Intercom's Jason Barsky introduces us to those involved. But something called bags of warmth, and I thought to myself, huh. I want to hear from these people. I want to know more about this. I love this, especially as it's so cold outside. So uh, I don't have one person on the phone. I don't have two. I have three different people on the phone. So I want to start by saying good morning to uh, Jerry McAndrew. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Jason. How are you? Doing all right. Thank you for uh, joining me. We also have uh, Jennifer Heatro and uh, is it Dr. Philem? 
Yeah, that's me. Dr. Faleem, uh, you guys are all from, let's say, the, the Wright Center. Yes, sir. For those who don't know, the Wright Center, it's uh, it's what? How would you describe the Wright Center to anyone who doesn't know? So the Wright Center for Community Health is a nonprofit safety net provider of health care services for adults and children, and we have multiple locations throughout northeastern Pennsylvania within Lackawanna and Lutheran counties. Okay, and, and the reason I'm talking to you guys, I mean, WNEP did a nice story on you guys and this bags of warmth. And, Jerry, this was your idea, correct? Yeah. Um, you thought of this. Now, it's funny. I watched the story, and all I kept thinking is, if people don't know what this is, they may think it's littering. Because <laughs> uh, there's bags of warm clothing, but you ha- you put them in different places, not just from trees. You don't just hang them from trees. But how did this start? What was the motivation for it? And uh, where will people see these bags? The people will see the bags. First, we hung them yesterday in our German clinic. And we are going to put some down, hopefully maybe today or tomorrow, down the courthouse in Scranton, where people are more applicable to get them if they're not traveling up to German. They could just reach out down at the courthouse and pick them off the trees. Now, what's inside each bag? I should have asked that first, but I didn't, and that's just my brain sometimes. Um, We have different bags, but most of them are filled with hats, gloves, scarves, and socks. And some of our kind residents here, because we're a teaching facility also, donated some thermal shirts for the homeless who might need them that at night that'll keep them warm. And did you just, did you always have an idea like, I'd love to help out, but I want to do it in a unique way? Or was this just something you you woke up one night going, we're just going to put things in bags and hang them out for people to take? Because what this does, it's interesting, I'm guessing this just removes the embarrassment some people may have about seeking help. Yes. I One day, I was, it was last year, I remember sitting down watching the news, and I believe I saw somebody do this in another county okay. in Pennsylvania, and I thought, this would be a great idea for the right center to do. So, of course, you know, we, I waited till this year when it got colder, and I reached out to my coworkers and to Jenny, who's in charge of our communication. She gave me the bags for this to do them in, and we stuffed them all. So people, they're labeled with uh, female, male, toddlers, young girl, young boys, so people know what they're choosing when they're picking up a bag and there's no questions asked. Yeah, um, that just breaks my heart to think toddlers. I know that's a reality of it, but it breaks my heart. I have a two-year-old at home. I have a six-year-old, too, but the two-year-old. I'm just imagining being in a situation where I need to do this. It's got, you know, it can't feel good. And I'm guessing that's why, you know, but you're not just hanging these bags from trees. That's one thing. That's one thing that was shown in the WNEP story. You're putting these bags in different locations. Is that correct? Different locations on the trees, so they don't have oh, to. So it's just trees. Okay. And definitely on trees, yes. But if somebody walks in off the street and say we don't have any hanging, I, we do have um, extra in the clinics or in case it rains. I, we don't want to see somebody get anything wet. So we would have them inside the clinics. And I, we're, you know, they could contact the right center anytime if they're in need of one of these bags. And Jason, one of the things that you mentioned was hopefully making sure that people don't mistake them for litter. Um, We actually put them in lime green, very bright, drawstring backpacks so people can kind of get their eyes on them, walk up real fast, take them and and go. So they won't have to be confused or or concerned about taking something that that shouldn't be taken. If you see a bright green bag anywhere in the county, you grab that and take it if you need it or give it to somebody who does. 
Um, now, are there places where people, I'm guessing you're going to control it. I think the answer is probably going to be no. Like, say I was like, you know, I want to help out, but I have to go home and find stuff. I can't come and pick a bag up and do it myself, correct? You guys, I guess, control to make sure everything's, you know, on the up and up. And no one's That's missing. a great question. I mean, we're a community organization, and we're never going to say no to somebody who wants to get involved and help and step up. Um, if they would be able to pick up a bag, that's that's certainly fine as long as they would, I think, fill it with things that were appropriate. Um, and the other thing we're doing is we're certainly welcoming donations. If you want to stop at any of our primary care locations and drop off some goods, we will assemble them for you, too. So. Um, we will never say no to somebody who wants to help out. Okay. I was just wondering if that was something you would do. Now, uh, Dr. Uh, Faleem, you're on the phone. Now, what, what do you do for this group now? Because I know you've been the quietest of the bunch. I want to know. You have some expertise on something, and I just need to know what this is. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a third-year medical resident, and um, these kind of ladies asked me to come help, you know, speak. And, I, you know, I think the mission of helping people out, that's, you know, one of the reasons I got into medicine, and that's probably the reason that, everyone here got into this field and is working for the right centers just to help out people and especially in our community uh, we have a really diverse group not all of us are from scranton or northeast pennsylvania i'm from the south and and this is the coldest environment i've ever been in so i know you know it's a lot tougher on people um, who are less fortunate and who need the help so you know, I just want to back them up and, you know, provide any help that I can. And there are legitimate medical reasons that you should protect yourself from the cold. As I was going to ask you, what is the actual time, you know, when we hit two degrees or zero, how long can exposed skin be out before you're going to have real issues? You know, I, that actually really depends on the wind chill. Um, that's something that you may hear about a lot, and that kind of takes into a, a, into account the wind speed combined with the temperature and that really determines, you know, how how long you should keep your skin exposed in the cold. I would say the less time, the the better. Um, you know, it's kind of common sense, but just bundle up. You know, keep your extremities bundled. You know, wear gloves, wear um, hats, scarves, yeah. because you're going to lose heat through your extremities. Um, how much longer are you going through the entire winter for this? Is this uh, just are you stopping after a couple of weeks? Uh, do you have? Are you running out of things? Do you need to put a call out for more people to make donations? Where are we at with this? Well, we could always use the donations, and what we usually do, Jason, is if we have them even for next year, we will put them away and we will run the program again next year. So the more the better. Uh, we appreciate any of the public's help. And you do not have to be a patient of the right center to come and take one of these. Okay. Uh, again, lime. these are lime green bags. If you see them hanging in trees, now you know what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I would encourage, like my son is six. He just thinks gifts are great. Like, don't let your kids take them just because they're free. Don't be that guy. Oh. If you need, I say this because there are people out there who would see this and just take it. I've, you have, in radio especially, I've met so many people who like, oh, what do you have for free? They'll take anything. <laughs> and I just want to make sure, like, you understand the purpose. This isn't, hey, we want to, you guys aren't just out there trying to give free scarves and hats to people who like scarves and hats. This is for people who you're trying to help them live a little, little com- more comfortably in the winter. I'm not, I feel like I'm accusing people of doing something they haven't done, but there are people out there like that who's like, oh, free stuff. Look what I got. <laughs> you know what? It's and We even want parents or grandparents who are taking care of children to make sure that they're well covered. Yeah. Cool. Standing out at the bus stop. You, you, like Even if you're a working parent today, sometimes you just make ends meet. 
and this little bit of help will help you. You don't have yeah. to be any, I don't care what income you are, come in and we'll be glad to help you. No questions asked. No, well, that's actually super sweet of you guys. I mean, how many bags do you have right now? Like, where are you at, like, inventory-wise, do you have? We gave out last night, just from German alone, at least 20 bags left our parking lot last night. Okay. So, so we're going to hang probably around 50 bags or more around the courthouse. Um, and then hopefully we'll keep up. And if we get any more offers, I just had somebody who called me from Oliphant that there's some families that are low income that if we could possibly help them. So we're going to do the best we can to help who we can. If uh, a couple of things, if someone wanted to donate, they're like, oh, you know, I'd love to help. I'm going to take a trip up there. You know, just uh, how can they find you guys? Well, you can definitely check out our website. It's um, www.therightcenter.org. There's a link you can drop down for any of our patient care locations or our administrative office in Scranton. We have multiple locations within Luzerne and Lackawanna County. We have two locations in Wilkes-Barre. Um, so we try to be accessible to those who may need us. Um, and even if you call our administrative office and you can't make it to one of our locations, they can connect you to Jerry and maybe one of us can kind of run or pick up. Or um, That's one of the great things about being a community-owned nonprofit. I mean, we're kind of trying to meet people where they are and be nimble to what people need. So we, we will do what it takes. If people want to help us, we will, we will help them help us. Uh, uh, Jennifer, I have to ask a question. Are you from New Jersey originally? Uh, no. <laughs> where are you from originally? Dallas. Oh, okay. Because you talk faster than I do. That was incredible. <laughs> I uh, drink a lot of coffee. I have a young, I have a young kid too, so he's okay. half and he doesn't sleep. So I'm, I'm like, I'm in your shoes. I want, I want to make sure I got this right. www.therightcenter.org. Yes, thank you, Jason. Just want to make sure. No, I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to embarrass you there. It's just I heard like, wow, that's impressive. I, and I, well, I talk fast, but people don't understand what I'm saying. You did it really. Your enunciation was better than mine. So well, thank you. I don't know if that's true, but I appreciate the compliment. I will take whatever I can get on a on a morning like. This. <laughs> uh, so if people want, you guys want to donate or help out, you can go to, uh, again, therightcenter.org. Uh, it's a good thing you guys are doing it. If, if anyone wanted to go down and help you pass these out tonight, do you need help with that? Or is this just a, we drop the bags off, we get in, we get out, or will you be there to help, you know, we take donations while you're down there tonight? We're going to actually hang them from the trees. We're okay. going to get some volunteers. Well, listen, great talking to you guys, and uh, it's a good thing you're doing. Appreciate the time you took, and uh, I'll try to put this up on our website for everyone to pass around. And, uh, um, yeah, well, uh, make sure uh, Dr. Fleem is dressed warm. He's from the South, and I just don't <laughs> want him to, you know, he's just, you know, I'm sure. It, just follow the lady's lead, Dr. Fleem. <laughs> right. Hey, good talking to you guys again. It's bags of, uh, bags of warmth. Correct. And again, go to www.therightcenter.org. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Appreciate it. Jason, we appreciate your help with this uh, public matter. Oh, no problem. Happy to help when these things come up. So uh, thank you guys, and uh, good luck. Brave in the cold to do good things. Thank All right. you. All right. again to those involved in Bags of Warmth Project from the Wright Center in Lackawanna County for joining us today on Special Edition. And it's just that simple. If you would like to find out how you can help, contact the Wright Center in Scranton. And of course, with the cold weather, don't forget your pets. Imagine being forced to live outside with only a thin coat to protect you from the bitter cold. Desperate, you call out to your family, but they ignore you. 
All alone you shiver and shake as frostbite sets in and you slowly freeze to death. When it's cold, bring your cat or dog inside. Make sure other outside animals have adequate food, water, and shelter, and report neglect immediately. For more information, visit PETA.org or call 757-622-PETA. And of course, in the cold weather, most of us like to stay inside where it's warm, but that means blood donations drop. This is an American Red Cross blood donation alert. The Red Cross has an emergency need for blood and platelet donors to give now. Blood and platelet donations are being distributed to hospitals faster than they come in. Help ensure patients continue to receive life-saving medical treatments and emergency care. Make a difference. Help save lives by giving blood or platelets. Use the Blood Donor app, visit redcrossblood.org, or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make an appointment today. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories, a production of Intercom Communications. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.